be patient and wait on him. It'll be worth it. Be patient and wait on him. It'll be worth it. Say, so that, oh, you say, it'll be all right. It'll be all right. Hallelujah. Father, touch our minds that we might understand. Touch our hands that we could perform, our hearts that we can receive, our feet that we can walk it out. Our ears that a stranger's voice will not hearken unto, only the voice of the Father. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. There are so many people that need to be in service today. There's a spirit of the spirit of the Lord is moving. I hope the spirit of the Lord unctions them to make it to church. Because you can listen to the podcast and review. But it ain't nothing like being here in person. Hello, somebody. Mm -hmm. There's a difference between food hot from the stove and food in the microwave. You don't want to help me today. There's a difference. You know, there's a difference. Came up when it was hot. I'm that type of person, and you don't let my food get cold. When I say it's ready, it's ready. Where you going? Wash your hands. Should have done that already. You know, because if it's good food, you want it hot. Hallelujah. Today, I want us to look at and continuing the uh, this year of the Word of God made flesh. <clears throat> On last week, we looked at. Uh, the concept of what's wrong with me. As Paul said, the things I will to do, I do not do. The things that I don't want to do, that's the stuff that I end up doing. You know? What is wrong with me? Why is it that I know better and can't do better? You know, that was just last week. Oh, people don't understand. They, they don't understand that you're in a war. You know, some people still think they're on the playground. You're in a war. And it is amazing that Satan knows what your weak areas are. He knows what they are. Now, what I think is funny is you do too. And when he comes at you for your weak areas, it seems obvious that you would fight and resist. Doesn't it? It, it seems obvious that if I know who God is, and I just had a message on how the Father huh, wants to make what's wrong with me right with me. Y'all don't want to help me today. Where he wants to strengthen me to do his will. It would seem only natural that when Satan comes my way, in order to uh, weaken my faith, in order to tempt me to sin, it would seem very obvious that it is him and I am in a war. But for some reason, people just don't recognize. The earth can feel so good. I suppose you can enjoy being here so much and you could practice trying to enjoy being here. You understand you look for ways to enjoy your life more. You look for ways to extend your vacations, ways to to really tap into the joy and and have rest and self care days. And I mean, humans are looking for ways to enjoy this life. But if you're not careful, you'll forget that you're in a war zone. You'll forget, because Satan loves to deceive. He loves to place you in that good old matrix and let, just rock you right on down to death. Nice and easy. Don't, don't, don't wake her. Don't wake him. Let him sleep. 
Because while he's resting, he's dying. And while she's resting, she's dying. So whatever you do, don't make them too uncomfortable. Hello? I ain't never seen somebody want to go back to sleep to the nightmare. But if it was a good dream, y'all don't want to help me today. If it was a good dream, you'd be like, mm, I need to go back to that. Where was I? Mm. But nobody wants to go back to sleep for the nightmare. Hello? So Satan is determined, him and all of his team, to make sure that you love this life so much so that you can't stand anything that would disturb your peace. You need to make sure it's comfortable and nice and smooth and easygoing, right? That it fits all of your preconceived notions and ideas and opinions. And if that doesn't work, you just got to go on the internet and get your group of people that believe and feel the same way you believe and feel. And you can just include yourself with everybody that has the same vibe as you. And then you come to a church like Renew and we shake up everything you thought you knew. Today is no different. Today is no different. I want to look at something today, <clears throat> and I have a little bit of time to go a very far away. All right? So let's, let's try it. Let's try it. Let's try to get to the end. All right? Um, but I want us to look at a problem that is persistent within this house, and I would imagine in the body of Christ collectively, and that's an identity issue. Um, Week after week after week after week, I am always preaching or teaching some message that tries to wake the believer up to what it means to be a Christian. Yeah. It's because now America is inundated with so many false ideas of Christianity that are far more comfortable and pleasing to the palate that everybody's asleep. And if you tell them that there is suffering here that you can't get around, now, now they say something's wrong with you. When you tell them that there's an end to things and there's nothing that you can do about it and God wants that end, and there's something wrong with that God. Hello, hello somebody. So nobody wants to be disturbed from their, their, their philosophies and their opinions of life. Hello? But let me see if I can disturb you a little. Let me see if I can make you a bit uncomfortable. Today I want to look at the concept of who am I? Who am I? I was saved at a young age. Made a lot of mistakes, but accepted Christ around nine years old or so, seven, nine years old. And ever since then, I had a clear understanding of who I was. A child of God. Period. And everything in my life, even from that age, filtered around that one concept. That I belonged to Jesus and he was my friend. That's about all you got as a kid, right? And so now everything I did was about that. Every, every homework assignment was about that. Every task I took on was about that. It was always about Jesus because to me that was the whole point of it all. And when people ask me, Pastor, well, you know, what can I do to stop struggling with myself? I can't, I have to find ways to reword the same thing. It has to be about Christ. You have to know that you are about him and him alone. Not him and you, 
not him, you, and your family, him alone. And you may get some benefits, and your family may get some benefits, but yeah. him alone. Amen. This concept is frightening because you have become comfortable in making sure that everything that you presently see is your priority. And to make sure you don't lose any of it, and to make sure you can gain more of it. You become comfortable in this idea. So when I say things that are radical, for some reason they're radical, that your life has to be only about Jesus, it's like, so I'm supposed to just read the Bible all the time? Yes. So I'm supposed to be praying all the time everywhere I go? Yes. I'm supposed to be witnessing to people? Yes. Oh, so I ain't supposed to go out and just, uh, everything I'm going to about Jesus? Yes. Absolutely. Is that a problem? You can't find in your every day that every moment, every second is about him? And every location you go and every activity you do, you can't, you can't see that? Something's wrong with your sight. You think you see, but you are blind as a bat. I want to look at who am I? Because this identity crisis is paramount to why modern Christians in America are not being true Christians. Hello? So yet again, we will try to wake you up, stir you up, and make you uncomfortable again. Amen. <laughs> Let's look at Romans as our key text for today. <clears throat> Hopefully I can get right back to it. Romans chapter 8, verse 29 through 30. Verses 29 through 30. Romans chapter 8, verses 29 through 30. When you're there, say amen. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he, his son, in case you're wondering, might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. If you can't underline in your notes or in your mind the word called. This ver these verses have perplexed me for years. It is the crust of the argument and debate of whether a person was, was once saved, always saved. It's a, it's a crust and the, the theological debate of whether um, the calling of God is, can be resisted. That if you're going to be saved, you're going to be saved no matter what. You know, and some say, no, it's a matter of choice. You know? So this, this, these two scriptures, uh, these two verses, really um, highlight that type of thinking where most of us fall on one or the other side. And today I would like to show that it's neither and both. <laughs> For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Okay, so now we see in this verse that we have the son, Jesus Christ, and in God's heart and mind that his son is, will be the firstborn, but he'll have a lot of brothers, right? <laughs> And so his brothers are going to have to look like him because he's the firstborn, right? And they're all doing what he does. And this, this was the plan that God had for a very long time, right? I mean, since, since we got here, okay? So, but what is perplexing to me is he, this verse could have started with, for those he predestined, for he predestined those to be conformed to the image of his son. Or he, he predestined them to be conformed to the image of his son. He could have started right at predestined. Because yeah. predestined says before determined, you know. Right. 
I, I determined it beforehand. Yes? I mean, that's all we need to know. Was I determined before now? Right? I mean, you could have start right there. But it doesn't start with predestination. It starts with foreknew. That he knew you before he predestined you. That's the thing. That's the, that's the, it's both of these and neither of these. See, predestination, according to scripture, cannot exist without the foreknowledge of God of who that individual is. Hello? Can you see that? So God has to know this person beforehand. And when he knows this person beforehand, then he destines them beforehand to be, to be a son, right? To be called. And now look at the word called. Again, you could have just started with call. If it was about God saying, you are going to be with me no matter what, that if the call of God is irresistible, then you could just say, he called them, and those whom he called, he justified, and those whom he justified, he glorified. Why, why do we have these, these steps, these procedures here, right? Because calling is, this, if I call you, you're going to come because I am God, right? But he doesn't start with call. The Lord says, come here, you're coming here, right? That, that makes sense because he's the creator of all. What he wants is going to happen, but he does not start with call. Y'all don't want to help me today. He doesn't start with call. He doesn't start with predestined. He starts with foreknew. And today I want to explore the possibility of why. Okay. Amen. Okay. <laughs> Let's go to Genesis chapter 6. <clears throat> I got a lot of verses today. Some of them I will highlight. Some of them you just need to write them down, go back to them. A couple chapters I'll just be picking verses through it. And you can just note it in your notes to study at home. Amen? amen. Genesis chapter 6, verse 1 is where we'll start. When you're there, say amen. amen. When man began to multiply on the face of the land and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of man were attractive. And they took as their wives um, any they choose. They chose. Then the Lord said, my spirit shall not abide in man forever. For he is flesh. His days shall be 120 years. Let's stop right there. Uh, for those of you that have been with us for a couple of years, in this particular text, the sons of God are not human beings. They are divine beings that were in the counsel of God. Um, those that God uh, used in, in the formation and delegation of assignments, he had a council, okay, like a board of directors. <laughs> He was the chief of directors, <clears throat> and he, you know, disseminated and discussed what's going to happen on earth with these other beings that he created that are also known as sons of God. So if we're sons of God, then that means we're in his image. Then these beings, for the most part, will also bear a portion of his image. All right? They are like him in some manner. So these beings, these uh, sons of God, you may be angels if that helps you to digest this, or uh, archangels. It's a hierarchy in the kingdom, all right? But these angels saw that the daughters of God were attractive, and they wanted to sleep with them, all right? This, this, it goes on in verse 4, it says, the Nephilim were on the earth in those days, 
and also afterward when the sons of God came into the daughters of man and they bore children to them. These were the mighty men who were of old, the men of renown. So these verses explain how these divine beings that reflected certain images, images of God wanted more than what God had intended for them to have. Similar to their chief uh, coup leader, Satan, they also wanted a station in God's creation, a position in God's creation that God did not give them. This is why homosexuality and sexual immorality is akin to this. It's because both, in both cases, you want a position or a place in life that God has not established for you. So it's considered an abomination against the will of God. When it comes to sexual immorality, your whole identity is attached to that. It defines who you are and the purposes of your life. How do you know? Because once you have intercourse and you get pregnant, I assure you the course of your life has changed. Even if you abort, the course of your life has still changed. As a father, the course of your life has changed. So sexual immorality affects your identity. So it's paramount that when you engage in these behaviors, that it is in line with who God says you are. Because if not, you're starting to make a whole different identity. Hello? The Nephilim were the giants in those days, and, and so now we have these uh, giant and divine human mixed beings, all right? Uh, we're possibly, in the Jewish tradition, they're one-third divine being, and that one-third is significant because that is the, the portion of divine being um, that was attributed to Gilgamesh in the Mesopotamian um, uh, story. So this is all key, yes? Verse 5 says, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Stop right there. Now, Glenda, if we're going to use the word of God, we have to be assured that what God sees is what he sees. We can't say that he didn't quite see that. Hello? <laughs> that he sees it in its totality. Hello, somebody. Hello. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on earth and it grieved him to his heart. Let's stop right now. This is not about legalism. This is not about the law. This is not about uh, your feelings. This is about God's feelings. One of the first and few times that you can actually see the feelings of God. Where he expresses he has a broken heart. Do you know what's going to come to you if you break God's heart? I mean, you break a person's heart. You break a woman's heart, oh, you got a Hades of coming to your way. You got a Hades storm coming your way. I don't know one man that does not have a Hades storm coming his way if you break a female's heart. That's it. That's it. Now, you might survive the storm. Oh, but you will have a raging storm. You'd be like, when is it ever going to end? I don't know. 
Only the strong ones survive. <laughs> Hello? I was in a relationship early on, and, and uh, my ex cheated on me. And he said, oh, baby, please, baby, please, baby, please. You're my best friend, you're my best friend, you're my best friend. And since we hadn't slept together, I was like, I guess. I mean, that's, only, that's between you and God, right? He said, baby, please, you're my best friend. And I said, I don't know if we should do this, because I might bring this up every day of our relationship. I might talk about it, ask questions about it, be suspect about it, look around every corner, I, and it might get on your nerves. It might get on your everlasting nerve. And I just feel like, why we gotta do that? Let's just cut ties here. You go with whoever you were sleeping with. We ain't got no baggage, and we can have a new relationship. He said, no, 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 I can take it. <laughs> and he did. Anytime I wanted to bring it up, I brought it up, and I would raise my eyebrows to see if he would reject. Who was that, your little girlfriend? <laughs> I would challenge him on it because I knew my heart was broken. And what I wanted was to end the relationship that I initially started. Hello? But his decision changed my decision. Y'all don't want to help me today. There was something he possessed that I didn't know he possessed, and that was stick to itiveness. Gotta have a man that can handle you. You understand, ladies, hello, hello? Y'all want that, y'all want to be the one that handled the man, you stupid. You need somebody like, shh, you know what? I need to shush, I'm so glad. I'm so glad you told me that because I just be going crazy over here. You may not like it initially, but then when you calm down, now you're no longer mad at that situation because you're mad at him. But he gonna soften you up, so now you're done. Go be quiet, hmm, let me tell him to be quiet. You wanna eat dinner? All right, let's go. Every man needs someone that can handle his baser self. And every woman needs a man that can handle her baser self. Amen? Amen. Did I say that right? Amen. Okay, good. Okay, great. So the Lord saw that it was wickedness in the man's heart, and every intention of the thoughts of his heart was, was just evil continually. You're so evil. And the Lord regretted that he made him. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I made them. Can't have the birds of the heavens because we were supposed to have dominion of them. Without us, who's going to have dominion? But he still has sons of God. He still has image bearers. There's a little bit of coup going on, but I'm sure dealing with them and their waywardness is more than enough. Who would want more waywardness? Can you see it from God's perspective? I done created these things. One group already started uh, tripping and stabbing me in my back and want their own stuff. Now that, then they convinced the other creation to do the same doggone thing. You know what? I am done with them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. I always wondered, what did Noah do? Clearly, he was amongst the ones whose evil thoughts were continuous. Yeah. What, what did he have? What did he show that made God go, you know what? I like you. I'm going to use you to save yourselves and anybody else that wants to come. The Bible never tells us <laughs> what was so unique about Noah. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 32, verses 8 through 9. Deuteronomy chapters 32, verses 8 through 9. When you're there, say amen. amen. 
Good job. When the Most High gave to the nations their inheritance, when he divided mankind, he fixed the borders of the peoples according to the number of the sons of God. But the Lord's portion is his people, Jacob, his allotted heritage. So after the flood, um, Nimrod rose, who was again one of those mixed beings, and began to get everyone together to create a tower called the Tower of Babel. I know, I thought it was Babel, but it's Babel. All right, the tower where they could reach the heavens. Again, Nimrod is now convincing people on ways and showing them ways that they could also go further and beyond their station and position that God has given them. So at that point, you know the story, the Tower of Babel falls according to God's will, and, he, and they had one language, and now he disperses them with different languages that they don't understand each other. And Deuteronomy says it's not just that they don't understand each other any longer, but he also divides these languages and the land and the times, okay, when they will show up in, in between how many sons of God or the council members that he had. Hello? Those that had already defected. In essence, God was saying, well, if you don't want to worship me, fine. Go worship them. And he gave those people to worship the gods that they apparently wanted to worship. He connected the lang- that people group with that son of God, that fallen divine being. Hello, somebody. And he allowed them to worship that being. The lowercase gods. The little gods. Yes. And they, they would worship them, and he, they would show, I'm sure, spiritual powers and things like that, and, you know, sacrifice this and give me that. And For the most part, according to the book of Enoch, these beings uh, tried to teach mankind certain things, and some things they should not have taught us, but how to use creation in a way that benefited them and not necessarily the will of God. And it's still going on today, where Satan is trying to show you ways to live that benefit you and not the kingdom of God. So each nation was divided according to how many numbers of the sons of God in this fallen council that he had. And they were allotted to worship them. Now this is key because this means that nobody is worshiping the one true living God yet. But he calls for himself Jacob's lineage before Jacob even shows up. And he calls Israel will be mine before Israel even shows up, Jacob and Israel being the same person. Hello? So now he has a nation. What nation is going to be mine is the nation of Israel, but Israel is not there. In this mix of all these nations, Israel is not there. Israel is coming. Y'all don't want to help me preach today. They're not present when all of this division is going on. All right? And when they show up, they show up in the midst of Mesopotamia. Abraham was a Mesopotamian, like Iraq, <laughs> Iran. He, God chose Abraham from the midst of Mesopotamian culture. Can you know, do you know what kind of machismo you got to have to say, I'm going to take in this culture that you have that is full of lush lavishness, that is full of you can have it your way, and it's gold everywhere. He takes the one that is in the midst of this living, of worshiping other gods, and say, I'm going to use him to worship me. You would think he picked somebody off on the outskirts, you know, somebody in the tent, like, I ain't fooling up with that, you know. 
Now he's right in the heart, in the thick of all of this debauchery. Hello? You can cross-reference to Deuteronomy chapter 4. In idolatry, we see in Deuteronomy chapter 4, you can write this in your notes, around verse 19, um, there's a warning. It says, beware lest you raise your eyes to heaven, and when you see the sun and the moon and the stars, all the hosts of heaven, you be drawn away to bow down to them and serve them. Things that the Lord, your God, has allotted to all the peoples under the whole heaven. He said, you need to be careful because you might end up worshiping. Y'all don't want to help me today. God, that I allotted to other nations and not to you. I allotted them to other sons of God, not to me. He said, be careful because you might end up doing that. Y'all don't want to help me today. Hmm? And I like how it, verse 24, just for the fun of it. it says, verse 23 says, take care lest you forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which he made with you, and make a carved image from a form, the form of anything that the Lord your God has forbidden you. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. I don't know if you know what consumption means. But it means something is devoured. If I consume it, it no longer exists in its original state. Y'all don't want to help me today. It might exist in another state, but it definitely ain't going to be broccoli. It's going to be poo. Do you understand? It's, it's not going to be corn. It's going to be poo. It, it's just because it was consumed. And when everyone is saying, oh, no, I can't serve a God that allows his creation to be tormented, God himself says, but I am a consuming fire. It's not my fault that you don't know who I am. And I'm not going to change who I am in order to appease your opinion since you are the one that is prone to lasciviousness. You're the one born and shaped in iniquity, but you telling me, you're correcting me and telling God that he shouldn't be a consuming fire? Not in your opinion? Isn't that right, Glenda? Mm -hmm. Don't make no sense to me. And then he just flat out says, do you know why I'm going to consume you? Because I'm a jealous God. I ain't never seen nothing like this. He going to tell you off the top. And who going to check him? Who going to say, nah, God, you shouldn't be jealous? Who going to say, nah, God, that ain't right. You didn't let them people love them other gods if they want to because that's just their nature. <laughs> he said, no, I'm jealous. Every once in a while, I got to remind certain members in my church that I am a bee. And I don't mean bumble. Because they approach me thinking I would never. And when I do, they're like, how could she? I told you from the beginning that I'm a bee. Off the top. Don't approach me like I'll take anything and everything. Don't come to me acting like you can do whatever you want and it's okay. I'm telling you at some point, it's not going to be okay. For the most part, nobody ever gets this. For the most part. But there's always at least one. Set fire on them.
So now we see that the Lord is a consuming fire and he is jealous. <laughs> the idea that he told you to worship these other gods is not because he wanted to. He was jealous and he knew that that's what you wanted, so just take it. You want to be with her? Fine, be with her. This is a direct reflection of jealousy. You want to be with him? Fine, be with him. Why? Because I'm jealous. You're not going to be with me and him. Hello, somebody. God said, you're not going to be with that God and me. Y'all don't want to help me today. You ain't going to be with the one that betrayed me and me at the same time. You're not going to be with the Satan that took my own creation and got him to fight against me and be with me at the same time. You must have lost your mind. I am a jealous God. A consuming fire. I'm not one to be played with. See, Jesus can be so sweet all the time. You know, so loving as a father. But he's not father to everyone. You are, you are, you're trying to give your relationship with him to other people. Hello? You want God to treat them the way he treats you. Let me tell you something. My daddy loves me. Hello? And he loves you. But he loves me most of all. If it was a, a tie between who going to get the last piece of bread, I assure you, it ain't going to be you. Why? Because that's my father. You better get your own father. Y'all don't want to help me. You need to go ask your father to give you some bread. But my father, when I am hungry, is going to give me bread. And he's not going to split my bread with you when you already have your own father. Oh, well, your father don't produce bread? Oh. You take this bread, this bread is my body. Y'all don't want to help me. You take this bread, this is a covenant. Hello? If, if I'm feeding you, you're my child. Hello? Y'all don't want to help me today. Ain't that right, Glenda? Mm -hmm. For those that are listening, Glenda has a, a new theological idea that's been around for ages that somehow God is not going to torment people in hell. So I love just showing scriptures that highlight the nature of God. Because her, like others, and it's not, it's not, it's not uncommon. It's a very common belief, and it comes from experiencing the love of God. And before you judge anybody, you should be very clear that that woman of God studies the Bible. She studies. Her conclusions may be off. But when she sees it, she fixes it, and she's on a straight and narrow. But every mistake she's ever made has not deterred her from studying the word of God. I can use her as an example because she's still going to study the Bible. <laughs> the only non-theologian that stands toe-to-toe -to -toe with me in theology. <laughs> Hello? Amen. Let's go to 1 John chapter 3, verse 8 through 10. 1 John chapter 3, verses 8 through 10. When you're there, say amen. That's a tough one because it's 1 John, not St. John. It's toward the back of the Bible. It's toward the, the bottom of your app. <laughs> 1 John chapter 3, verses 8 through 10. When you're there, say amen. amen. 
good job. Whatever or whoever, excuse me, makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Y'all don't want to help me today. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed, underline that, abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this, it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Stop right there. Everybody's not a child of God, Glenda. He makes it very plain. Some are children of the devil. Now, this, again, is why I love the idea that in, in Romans 8, where we're looking at the, the foreknew and the predestined, that is both and neither. Because now we're seeing one of the mysteries of God right before our eyes. That there is a seed that is placed in man, yeah. right? A seed of the devil or a seed of God. It's got to be one or the other. They ain't no more. They ain't no more. All the false gods, all the lowercase gods, those are Satan's kingdom. Just so you know. Okay? And then there's God in his kingdom. Yes? Amen? Amen. So now we know that the children of God, those who are uh, like my dad, I'm his child, right? Those who are in his household have his seed. And that makes sense. Hello? I'm not paying child support to a kid that is not mine. Get child support from that that baby father. Amen. None. I could be their daddy. Hello? Yeah. But I'm gonna be their daddy. You understand? Yeah. I'm not gonna help my enemy raise his children. Yeah. That's, <laughs> That's stupid. All I'm doing is raising more enemies to myself. Right. That don't make no sense. See, you still think it's a playground and not a war. A war that God did not start, but his creation did. And he's jealous. He ain't going to just let this go. You know what? It's all good. Let's just let bygones be bygones. Is anyone that is practicing sin is, is of the devil? But anyone that is born again, is the seed of God, a, children, a child of God, they can't practice sin because the seed of God is in them. This seed is the spirit of God. It's the Holy Spirit. They can't keep on sinning because the Holy Spirit is in them. They're going to feel bad, feel guilty, feel chucked, feel terrible. Then they're going to tell their friends in the world, they're like, don't feel bad. It's natural. Don't you be like that. It's all love. Don't. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's because that's what they say in your household. Right. Hello? There's stuff you're allowed to do in your father's house that I am not allowed to do in my father's house. There's ways you live in your daddy's house that I'm not allowed to live like that in my father's house. I'm going to get in trouble. I don't think the pastor should be doing that. You chose this house. If you don't think I should be doing it, go to another house. Ain't nobody keeping you here. Nobody got no chains on your feet locking the door. If you want to go, I say bye. I'll be like, no, no. 
That's the devil telling you that. If, even if it is, so be it. You've decided, you've picked. And just like you decided to leave, you can always decide to come back. But the rules of my house, y'all don't want to help me. The rules of the Father's house, the standard of God's house, never change. I could perpetuate disobedience in my own house. Well, they came from outside. We just got to kind of let them do what they do. Oh, uh, no. See, that's, this makes sense, don't it? You're trying to figure out morality from people that don't live in your household. They don't have your parent. Do you understand? They raised completely different. You're comparing your life to theirs. Uh, no. That's why in certain places, certain houses, your parents will let you spend the night at. They can come over here, but you can't go over there. I know how they live over there. I don't want you living like that, not even temporarily. Y'all don't want to help me. That's what a good father says. You, you know, that's what good fathers say, huh? No, I don't like how these kids be acting. They can come over here so I can watch you. Nah, they straight. They straight. That's interesting because every time you go over there, you come back with some habit. You come back with some personality trait. You come back looking a little funny. You come back with a little, a little pee under your mattress. You come back with a little, a little chip on your shoulder. Oh, you act like they fine, but when you come back, you don't look like you live here. I sent you home with two socks. Why you ain't got none? I braided your hair. You came back with your bows missing. Hello, somebody. Why your toothbrush ain't wet like you brushed your teeth? Why? Hello? No, 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 no. No, 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 no. You're showing that you've been in some other man's house. Uh, hello, somebody. That cake baking show is showing up on you. Y'all don't want to help me today. Y'all don't want to help me. It's showing up. It's showing up. How you're withholding your tithes and offerings. Oh, y'all don't want to help me today. It's showing up. You've been in some other man's house. This bitterness you're carrying over, the lack of forgiveness, where they do that at? Because it ain't here. You've been over there and reason that some of that stuff just makes sense. Oh, okay. Either you're going to leave that stuff out there and come home, or you and that stuff can go out there. But I'm not lowering the standard. I'm not lowering. I'm just not doing it, says the Father. But Pastor, everybody thinks that you're just doing too much. When God thinks it is when I have a problem. Hello? Amen. Where was I? First John? All right. Now go to First John chapter 3, uh, 11 through 12. All right. First John chapter 3, you're going to move down to a couple of verses. For this message, for this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Let me show you something here. Everybody's not a child of God. There are ch children of the enemy. Hello, somebody. And you would think that they would leave us alone. They do their bad deeds, and we do our good deeds, and it's no problem. But that's not what happened. Hello, somebody. The fact that uh, Abel did good meant that Cain wanted to kill him. Oh, it's a playground, huh? Oh, it's all good. It's a playground. 
You was in a battlefield. And your enemy doesn't want to leave you alone. They want to eradicate you from the face of the earth. To stop bearing the image of your father and bury the image of their father, Satan. That's what the war is about. What I love is how they go right back to Cain. Goes back to Cain and says, let me tell you what's happened here. Do you know, you know the story of Cain and Abel? Before Cain killed his brother Abel, because Abel offered a great sacrifice and Cain offered a bad sacrifice, and God came to Cain and tried to reason with him. Do you know how evil your heart has to be? How set you are to do what you want to do that when God Almighty comes to reason with you, you still do whatever you want to do. So he said, I looked at your heart and it was perpetually evil. You just intended to do it no matter what. Oh, you don't think these people exist? You is one of them people. You have been one of those people. But the grace of God. When we looked earlier in the book of Genesis, or I think it was Deuteronomy, and the father said, my spirit will not be with man long because they're flesh. At the fall of Adam and Eve, man became flesh. Flesh without the spirit of God is dead. Hello? So when God breathed the breath of life into Adam, he became a what? Living soul. Without the breath of God, you are dead. So if he breathed his breath into Adam and Adam had children and his seeds, one had the spirit, the breath of God still in them and the other one had it, but it was waning. And you can tell that it was waning because now all of a sudden, even God himself cannot convince his own child to do right because his flesh has gotten so strong. I love how the book of Enoch gives us some understanding collectively about this vision. And it tells us a story regarding more of the tension between Cain and Abel. And I could see that if your brother Abel, who is keeping sheep, gets on your nerves, bringing his sheep, trolloping all over your harvest, because you deal in harvest, hello? Then now you got to go to him to get a sheep? Surely God... I don't have to go to my brother to get a sheep. You must want what comes from my hands. Hello? You must, you, must want, you must want what comes from me, not him. From my works, not his. All for one reason. You don't want to fool up with your brother. Y'all don't want to. That's why it's Cain and loving your brother. Y'all don't want to help me. Let me tell you something. If you're going to love unconditionally any person, you're going to need the spirit of God. And if you try to love any person unconditionally, you will find Christ. Y'all don't want to help me today. I'll say it again. If you try to love anybody unconditionally, you will need the spirit of the Lord. And if you attempt it, you will find Christ. That's why loving your brother is right there in the midst of salvation. It's because that type of unconditionality of love is divine. Yeah. 
and it reveals whose seed you come from. So I don't have to worry how, man, well, they're not going to know about Jesus. Not if they're good people. If they're so good, then they'll love. If they really want to be good at loving, then they'll love unconditionally. But at some point, somebody's going to tick you off. At some point, it's going to be enough is enough. And you're going to know that your love waned on that person. Y'all don't want to help me today. And in order for you not to justify that you pulled your love back, you're going to need the spirit of the Lord. Because now you have before you a shining example of the Christ, y'all don't want to help me, who loved unconditionally with all power in his hands, still said, I love you. Hello? Y'all don't want to help me today. In Deuteronomy 32, we just were there. In Deuteronomy chapter 32, verses 8 through 9, when the Most High gave to the nations their inheritance, do you remember that verse? The, the B clause of, of verse 9, uh, but the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is his allotted heritage. Uh, the children of Israel were going to receive the heritage. They were going to be adopted by God. Yes? Because yeah, yeah. he had no nation. Then he took somebody from that nation and adopted them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hello? Yeah. That was the children of Israel. Yes? In Genesis chapter 4, verses 3 through 8, we see the story of Cain and Abel and the idea that the breath of God is creating the children of God. So if God breathed the breath of Adam and he, into Adam and he became a living being and then we continue to come from that seed, right, then we still have the breath of God. But then God says it's not going to be in them long. Why? Because they are flesh. And flesh contends against the nature of God. They're nothing but flesh. The law was going to help man. Y'all don't want to help me today. Was going to help us do some level of faith and have some level of faith and right standing with God that he can continue to dwell with us and breathe his life into us. But the law made us weaker. We sinned more. We found ways to circumvent, to navigate, to do things that were still not in line with his spirit. And Christ had to be manifested. Hello? Amen. In the Bible, there are a ton of examples of who God's children are and what they look like. Go to First uh, Peter chapter 1. Real quick. First Peter chapter 1, verses 10 to the end of the chapter. I'm going to pick up at verse 13. Verse 14, verse 14 of 1 Peter chapter 1. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you, he who what? Called you is holy. You also be holy in your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. And if you call, somebody say call. On him as father who judges impartial, impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. He's saying, while you're down here and what will seem like exile because you're not with the father, he says, make sure that your conduct 
is one that reveals that you're worshiping your father and not that you're beginning to worship these lowercase gods. He said, make sure you do that because that keeps you in line to receive the breath of God, which you need. If not, then your flesh is dying and that's all that you are. Hello? Right. Christ came to destroy the works of Satan, which is death, hell, and the grave. But he's destroying it for for his children. Go to verse 22. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Here we go again with this. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of what? Imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass and it's all its glory is like a flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. How do you receive the spirit of God? The life of God is through his word. It's through his word. That's why I say home cooked meals hot from the oven is better than microwave. Some of y'all got some situations. Y'all want to help me today. You need it hot. You need the whole atmosphere of a family dinner. Not some TV microwave thing that you're putting in your bedroom. Go on down to Revelate, uh, to Romans. No. Yeah, Romans chapter 8. Let's go back there. Let's go back to Romans chapter 8. We're going to go up to the beginning of Romans, and I want you to see something. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. I'm going to skip through a couple of verses, so go with me. There is now, therefore, there, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh um, could not do. The flesh could not bring you life. As a matter of fact, the law weakened the flesh all the more. The law said you can't do nothing right. Your best attempts is terrible, right? And so it made the flesh like, well, just forget it, you know? It continued to weaken the individual. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. Christ came in the likeness of sinful flesh. He had no sin. But this also means that now all sin for his children is a product of the flesh, not of their nature because they're born again. And we are discovered that if you're born again, you cannot practice sin. It's just not possible because the spirit of life is in you. Hello, somebody. Y'all don't want to help me today. So now we, once saved, always saved, yes and no. <laughs> it's neither and both. At some point, the spirit of the Lord is now residing. Y'all don't want to help me. And you cannot practice sin. Y'all don't want to help me today. For those who live according to the flesh, verse 5, uh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the, on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's laws. Indeed, it cannot. For those who are in the flesh cannot Please, God. 
You're not capable outside of God. You're nothing but flesh, and your flesh has hostility towards God because it knows that it is dying. And God has the ability to save it, but he won't save it unless you come through his son. That's why people want to believe that a, a good God wouldn't send everybody to hell. He's not point wanting to, but his standard is his standard. He is jealous and he is a consuming fire. But you can be free from sin and death. You don't have to have that outreach. You don't have to have that outcome. You can literally be adopted into the household of God. And until, you're, until you are, everything about you is hostile towards God. Verse Verse nine. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the. Come on now. If in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. See, that's that's the catcher right there. If in fact. Hello, because to not practice sin could also be a form of discipline and discipline does not necessarily require the spirit of the Lord. You could just will yourself to stop having cake you, you can will yourself to no longer do that that is not an indicator hello somebody that you have the spirit of the lord the only indicator that god has given us that you are children of god is how you love your brothers that's why i tell couples everybody, i love them i love him i love her but y'all y'all doing stuff to taking you to hell but i know it's love no, you don't have a clue what love is not a clue all you know is flesh flesh cannot please God no matter the type of love it conjures up it is always hostile to God that's why anytime your flesh wants something now you're confused about what God wants now you don't understand some of the things about God now you always got questions about God now you don't like the church that much now you don't understand why pastor did this because your flesh wants something that hostility is now becoming a part of who you are Like I told you, discouragement does not make sin. Okay, the desire for sin causes discouragement. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. Hello? Skip on down to verse 12. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you live according by the spirit, you put, the death, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. You're dying daily, right? For all who are led by the spirit of God are what? Woo! Woo! How many people have the spirit of God? Don't have to raise your hand, okay? <laughs> it is clear those that are being led by the spirit of God, if we're all going this way and we all have the same spirit and you say, uh-uh, I need to go this way. Um, even if initially you thought going right was better, huh? Yeah. But, oh, the leader say left. Well, I guess you got to go left. Why? Because that's, that's who the spirit of the Lord has anointed. Hello? Yeah. But if you consistently go to the right, uh, I don't know about you in the spirit of God. For all who are led by the spirit are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery uh, to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons. Yeah. Yeah. 
He says, I'm trying to make you my children. Just as I did with, with Israel, I'm now doing with the Gentiles through faith. Faith was not limited to a race or a culture. Faith is available to every single human being. So all you have to do is have faith in the creator. It's so simple. There is no reason for anyone to be going to hell. Not when everybody has access to faith. That's it. So if you choose to continue to live a life that gratifies the flesh, continue to practice sin, continue to stay outside, you really, really, really want this. And every day that you do it, the breath of God is being exhaled from your life. It's being exhaled. And when the last breath comes, there's nothing but death. I love that one verse says, uh, he says, but now the proof that we have, the, that we are adopted as children is the resurrection of our bodies. Yeah. He said, I'm going to tell you to my children that I adopted you because when their bodies are not resurrected in glory, come on somebody, your body will be resurrected in glory, proving that you are my children indeed. I wanted a human being that had my spirit in it. I got a human being that's got my spirit in it. Not the spirit of the devil. Revelation chapter 2, verse 17. Revelation chapter 2, verse 17. He who has it, I've never seen people excited about scripture. This house. This house is excited. They're like, ooh, that's one of my favorites. Revelation chapter 2, verse 17. Are you there? He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To everybody? To the world? It's his spirit to his spirit in his church. The promises of God are to his children. Not to the enemy's children, but the enemy's children, if they like our God, can be adopted into our family. But he's not lowering the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it go back to Romans chapter 8 verse 29 for those whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn of many brothers and those whom he predestined he also called and those whom he called he also justified and those who he justified he also glorified 
Revelation reveals that those who make it in this church age, that those who make it to heaven, being obedient to God, the churches in themselves, that make it through these ages, that, that he will give the people a stone with a name written on it. What I like is it doesn't say a stone that only, only they will ever know. It's a, it's a name that they know. Y'all don't want to help me today. Okay, everybody's going to know your name because it's a name. The stone you're getting is the name that you already know you are. It's a, it's a, name, it's a, it's a name on a stone that only you know your name. How did you come to the realization of your own name that has not yet been given had it not been revealed to you by the Spirit of the Lord? think about this as, as a hypothesis I throw this idea into the ring of theological debates the concept of God calling for Israel when there was no Israel indicates that Israel was not that Jacob was not selected by his works he wasn't selected because he did so many great things Hello, somebody. Same was true with Cain and Abel. Hello? Yeah. Cain was just good, okay? Jacob Esau was going to fight. That was just the way it was before they even did anything, okay? God called for Israel. When Jacob got to a certain point with wrestling with God, God changed Jacob's name to what? Israel. Who did he call? Who did he call? Who did he call? Y'all don't want to help me today. It's not you that he called forth. Not in your death state. Not as children of Satan. It's the child of God. Y'all don't want to help me. It's the child of God that he's calling for. I'm not calling for Jacob. That's your own former self. I'm calling for Israel. I'm not calling for Abram. That's your former self. I'm calling for Abraham. I'm not calling for Sarah. That's your former self. I'm calling for Sarah. Y'all don't want to help me today. Y'all don't want to help me. Nobody want to help me preach. I'm not calling for Mara. I'm calling for Naomi. I'm not calling for Zedekiah. I'm calling for Mataniah. I'm not calling for Peter. For Simon, I'm calling for Peter. I'm not calling for Daniel, Hananiah, Michelle, and Azara. I'm calling for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I'm not calling for Zedekiah. I'm calling for Mataniah. That's just the way it works. I'm not calling for Saul. I'm calling for Paul. Why? Because these are those that I foreknew. These are the ones that I foreknew. Now, either you're going to be the ones that I foreknew, or you're going to be the ones that Satan knows standing all over the house.